When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the 49er Access Podcast, and hello darkness, our old friend. Another year, another Super Bowl catastrophic playoff loss for the San Francisco 49ers. Unfortunately, friends, faithful, this is nothing new. I'm 27 years old. I've seen this team lose three Super Bowls. I've seen Kyle Shanahan personally coach two of those. And this past Sunday may have been the worst one yet. It may have been the worst feeling I've felt as a Niner fan in my entire life. And this team has had awful rosters, awful teams, two and 14 seasons. This year, 2023-2024, may have been the worst season as a Niner fan. Not because they were bad. Because they were so darn good. And me and you both know, all of us know, it should have ended in a Lombardi Trophy. Should have ended in a Super Bowl championship. Uh, I want to welcome you into the show today. This is for us to grieve, to cope, to discuss, and to react to the loss on Sunday. There's so much to get into. I want to ask you kindly to like, share, and subscribe on YouTube. Drop your comments down below. And please review the podcast on the audio platforms. Should be out sometime around noon today. But right now, we have to react to the San Francisco 49ers 25-22 Super Bowl overtime walk-off defeat at the hands of, once again, the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. Before we dive into what went wrong, (laughs) before we dive into the negative, I do want to point out a lot of... Of the positive things that happened, uh, I do want to give credit to a ton of players because uh, there were so many good things, so many great plays from players you weren't expecting to stand up and step up, and they did. Uh, Chris Conley, I thought, was phenomenal in this game. A handful of uh, tackles on punts. Uh, he even caught a ball at the one-yard line on a punt to put Kansas City's offense in awful field position, allowing the defense to make plays and continue to stop them the majority of this game. Uh, He had a great catch, I believe, on third down. If not, it was second down at 18 yards when there wasn't Debo and there wasn't Kittle and there there wasn't Debo, there wasn't Ayuk and there wasn't CMC on the field. Uh, Chris Conley, a practice squad player for the majority of the season, stepped up when he wasn't expected to, stepped up when you need everybody on board, all the effort to be on board And Chris Conley, veteran player, made veteran player plays. Uh, I want to give him credit. Played a great game. Juwan Jennings was, and arguably has been, the Niners' best player all playoffs. Whether it was against the Packers, third and Juwan, 
whether it was against the Lions, again, third and Juwan making a handful of plays in this one, the biggest game of his entire career, where you need Debo and Ayuk and others to step up. You need your stars to play their best game. Juwan Jennings played his best game, maybe of his entire career. A passing touchdown and a catching touchdown. Two massive touchdowns. One to CMC on a reverse double throw. A catching touchdown on Legereus Sneed, one of the best lockdown corners in the entire NFL. It just Thurton Juwan continues to be a star on this offense. And in a game where Debo was non-existent, Kittle was non-existent, Ayuk, for the betterment of the game, was non-existent, Thurton Juwan was the most existent outside of Christian McCaffrey, skill position player on the Niners. Should that happen? No. But Juwan Jennings looked awesome. What a great game for him. Joins Nick Foles as the only two players ever to pass and catch a touchdown in a Super Bowl. Incredible. Juwan Jennings, you were amazing. A phenomenal season. Uh, just awesome. Awesome for him. Uh, just honestly. Like, Juwan Jennings, I get it. He may leave in the offseason. Restricted free agent. Second round tender. Uh, I want to bring him back. The effort he has is amazing. He's so clutch. Uh, this team would not have beaten the Packers, would not have beaten the Lions, and had darn near would have not beaten the Chiefs if it was not for Juwan Jennings. You have to bring him back if you are the Niners. I think he'll be back. I think he has to be back. Um, because in the biggest moments, it wasn't Ayuk, albeit he had a great game against the Lions. It wasn't Debo Samuel. It was Juwan Jennings shining above people making three, five, ten times his salary. He was awesome all playoff long. Um, I also want to give credit to the entire defense. Uh, the big question mark coming into this game, all two weeks of preparation was, your run defense, how's it going to hold up? You were awful against the Packers. You were awful against the Lions. Getting beat on end arounds and jet sweeps and just Jameer Gibbs and Montgomery crushing you. Aaron Jones killing you for explosive plays. Um, the run defense was arguably the best it had been all year. Isaiah Pacheco had less than 50 yards rushing. Like they did and they forced a fumble. They were awesome. The big question marks on this defense, can you open field tackle? Can you stop the run? Can you get takeaways? They executed all of those things nearly flawlessly for four quarters. Overtime, different conversation. It's hard to play four quarters in the NFL. It's hard to play three quarters, let alone hard to play five quarters of football. I thought for three and a half quarters, this defense was stellar. They were getting sacks on Mahomes. They were getting pressure. They were containing the pocket, which they hadn't done the entirety of the playoffs. The defense came to play. I wish I could say the same thing for the offense, but I do want to give Logan Ryan credit. Ambry Thomas didn't play in this game. Uh, you and I talked, we all talked about how I think they were going to bracket Kelsey with either Logan Ryan, a third safety slash nickel cornerback, who you signed off a Disney cruise, what, five, six weeks ago, right? Middle of the year. Um, in the biggest moments, Super Bowl 58, Logan Ryan off the Disney cruise is guarding the Chiefs' best skill position player, arguably the best quarterback tight end duo in the entire league, Logan Ryan did a job. Now, I get it after halftime, things are different, but at halftime, Kelsey had one catch for one yard. San Francisco's defense was stellar. 
everyone was talking about how the roles had been reversed, right? Where it was Kansas City's defense was better than San Francisco's offense, and vice versa, SS offense is better than Kansas City's offense. It was like 2019, but flipped. Um, San Francisco's defense played better than Kansas City's defense in this game for the majority of it. Um, I thought the energy was there. The effort was there. Chase Young had arguably his best game. They were stuffing the run. They were containing Mahomes. They were making open field tackles. Every question mark you had about can this defense come to play, they did. I thought Steve Wilkes called the great game. There were some couple plays late, and we'll get to those later, but this defense put this offense in a position to get the lead, keep the lead, and extend their lead over and over and over again. Fred Warner, great game. I thought that the safeties, Jair Brown, had a pick, picked off Mahomes. You got takeaways. Some balls didn't bounce your way. Kansas City fumbled five or six times. You only got one back, but my goodness, you were doing the darn thing. You were doing your job. You were making tackles, punching balls out, being aggressive, making plays. You were stellar in coverage all game long. Um, just the defense was amazing. Uh, Fluffy Ninja does say this, and yes, Fluffy Ninja, poor Greenlaw. On Sunday, at 95-7 the game, I rocked my Dre Greenlaw jersey. I got it for Christmas. I love myself some Dre Greenlaw. He, he is one of my favorite players. You saw the first handful of snaps he played. He was ready to go. Now, maybe it was going to be a a, a you know 15-yard penalty later because he was just so amped up, but he was so ready to go. The fact that he tore his Achilles because he probably put his body under so much stress because he was so amped up wanting to make plays, wanting to make tackles. When you talk about leaving it all on the field, Dre Greenlaw, I get he got hurt, but the effort he was bringing, the energy he had, it literally left it all on the field. And it, it's heartbreaking because you lose the game, but also... Um, and this is more of a, a longer-viewed comment, but you likely lose Dre Greenlaw for the betterment of next season. You're not going to be there in OTAs. not going to be there training camp. not going to play the first month and a half of the year. There's... When Dre Greenlaw tore his Achilles, you see it snap, you see the tendon roll up his calf, and you're like, oh my goodness, can anything else go wrong? It's always something in games like this whether it's Garrison Hurst against the Falcons in the 90s, whether it's, you know, guys getting hurt, Debo Samuel pulling the hammy, having a hurt shoulder, Kittle getting hurt in this game, Greenlaw tearing the Achilles. It's always something it feels like for San Francisco. Um, are we cursed? I have no idea. But the minute I saw Jason Verrett, of all people, consoling Dre Greenlaw on that sideline, I knew it was over for him. I said, if there's anybody... That's going to talk to him. <laughs> you do want it to be Verrett, but you also do not want it to be Jason Verrett because you know that means it's catastrophic. Verrett has had just the worst injury luck ever. <laughs> torn Achilles, torn ACLs galore. And the minute it was Verrett consoling him, you'd know Greenlaw cried in that locker room. Greenlaw is someone who, he bleeds football. He bleeds 49er football. He left it all out there. And to see Verrett talking to him, you just knew it was over for him. And that's heartbreaking. 
But even then, for as bad as that is, and, and I, I wish Trey Greenlaw the, the quickest and fastest and healthiest recovery ever. I, I love him so much. He's a key cog to the defense. He brings so much energy. He is the Debo Samuel of that defense. He is the Navarro Bowman. He, he is a young Patrick Willis opposite to Keo Spikes. Like, he, he is a spark of energy, and you have to have him back. I don't think losing Greenlaw killed your chances in this game, though. I know Oren Burks didn't play a great game. I thought he was much better uh, in allowing catches, yes, but also making open field tackles. I thought Oren Burks still gave you an opportunity to win this game. This game went to overtime, even with Burks replacing Greenlaw. In fact, Demetrius Flanagan Fowles had an amazing diving pass block at the goal line to maybe save the game in regulation. Like, the Niners got production from bench players that you do not expect to play in games like this down the line. Like, had San Francisco had it their way, DFF doesn't play, Burks won't play, Burford wouldn't have played, and they got Conley wouldn't have played. Like, there would have, like, those four or five players were not expected to be big-time players or do anything, really. And they made plays to keep you in this game. Were they perfect? No. But they made plays to keep you in the game at every moment. When it seemed like hope was lost and here's the run from Mahomes, they make plays. Your defense gets a stop. Your offense makes some plays here or there. And it just felt like this game was for the taking. <laughs> like nine times in San Francisco squandered almost every single one of those chances. Um, The defense again. We'll get to the offense in a second. But the defense in this game held Travis Kelsey to one catch and one yard. They allowed three points at halftime against Patrick Mahomes. You cannot ask for anything better than that. That is the best case scenario, and your offense only got 10 points? Seriously? Chris McCaffrey fumbles? That's not great. My mind went to the Vikings game like, uh-oh. Like, when CMC fumbles, you usually lose games like this. Um, you know, it, 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 it's like all the big-time players for San Francisco, CMC scored a touchdown. He made some plays later in the game. I don't think his fumble crushed the hopes. It was the first drive. At that point, you fumble, you get a three and out, the game restarts. Do you want those points? Yes, a field goal, a touchdown. San Francisco was marching the ball down the field on Kansas City. Was the opening drive fumble a killer? Yes, it was. CMC six yards. Purdy finds use check. Jumps over a defender. Yells, let's go for 18 yards. Then Purdy gets 10 more. They had three plays on that drive for 10 plus yards. They were moving the ball. Almost 12 yards per play on that Chiefs defense prior to CMC's fumble. And again, it's not ideal. But then you stop Pacheco. Then Greenlaw blows up Kelsey. Then Warner and Greenlaw uh, just destroy McKinnon. And Bosa almost gets Mahomes. Like, your defense makes a play, almost restarts the entirety of the game. And that really was the common factor. Your offense fumbles the bag, literally and figuratively. They don't come through. They either get three, have to settle for a field goal, or don't score at all. Your defense continues to make stops to give them more chances over and over and over again. It's kind of like in basketball, right? Where... Your three-pointers, you know, your three-point players, your Curries, your Clays, 
you know, your Andrew Wigginses, whoever else you want to put out there, they're not hitting their three-pointers. They're not hitting their home run plays. Your stars aren't showing out, but Kevon Looney and, and Andrew Bogut, your centers, are getting rebounds, giving them chance after chance after chance, and they continue to miss and miss and miss. Um, the defense, again, three points at halftime given up. The only touchdown in regulation was off a muffed punt that just happened to take a bad bounce off Luter's foot and McLeod didn't jump on it. Your defense was the best it had been all year. I could argue, maybe outside of the Cowboys game and the Eagles game, this was San Francisco's best defensive performance, scheme, game plan all year long. Bosa was great. Chase Young was great. Armstead and Hargrave. Bosa and Young contain the edges. Don't let Mahomes get outside. They're not rushing through lanes. They're being patient with him. They're doing exactly what you are supposed to do against Patrick Mahomes. They're forcing him back inside the pocket, giving Armstead and Hargrave a chance to get home. Kinlaw was good in this game. Like, everyone on the front was amazing. Yes, there was plays late that you get gashed for because you guys are exhausted and tired. The Chiefs, I believe, biggest play was a game, was a pass where Gibson loses the ball in the lights. He didn't know it was even thrown. It's a fluke. On the next play, Lenore punches the ball out and gets the fumble. Hargrave picks it up, and you're like, whatever, here we go. Like The biggest play for Kansas City in terms of yards was negated. You got two takeaways in this game. One to stop a Kansas City massive drive to score their first points. But also, Jair Brown gets a pick and you get the ball on the 44-yard line to start the half, essentially, and your offense doesn't do anything with it. I do not blame the defense at all. Yes, you can point to Steve Wilkes, third and four in overtime, why'd you bring the blitz, whatever. Overtime wouldn't have mattered had you executed in regulation. Your defense wouldn't have been gassed had the offense actually done their job in regulation. I don't know what it was. I get Debo got hurt and was in and off the field all game. I know Kittle got hurt for a short stint. I know CMC was gashed and tired. I get it. There are reasons things happen that are justifiable. What's not okay is the fact that you're asking Steve Wilkes, a guy who... Many people wanted fired in what week six, week eight. You're asking him to coach his best game. He did. Kyle Shanahan called an okay game. It was not his best game. Yes, there were some plays you're like, wow. The, the Jawan Jennings touchdown pass, a crazy play. Great job, Kyle. Purdy missed some throws. He had Debo open down the field towards the right seams, overshot him. They take a shot downfield earlier in the game. Ty Uke, he runs to the inside. Purdy's thrown to the outside. That could have been a touchdown as well. There were shots taken. There were intentional shots taken that just didn't hit. That's not on Kyle. Purdy, I thought, was... Purdy had a stellar first half in this game. A stellar first half. I thought Brock Purdy looked better than Patrick Mahomes in the first half of this game. Brock Purdy... 10 for 15, 123 yards in the first half. He was efficient, he was effective, and no, 
You only had 10 points. It wasn't what you wanted it to be. It really wasn't what it should have been. Mahomes, 11 to 13, 123 yards. The almost similar numbers, but he was sacked twice. Like the Niners, by all intents and purposes, from a quarterback standpoint, a running back standpoint, you were outplaying, and a defensive standpoint, outplaying Kansas City for at least a half. Losing this game, it's heartbreaking. We all know this. It's inexcusable. We all know this. They know this. And, you know, it's... When you watch this game, had... Let's let's say 2019 never happened, right? You could excuse... It would hurt just as much. You could excuse the issues. The not running the ball out of halftime. To some play calling late in the game. Some defensive miscues in overtime. You can excuse this one if 2019 hadn't happened the issue is a lot of the same problems that plagued the offense in those games in 2019 sometimes in 2016 still plague you to this day and the one of the bigger issues is that i said this many other people stated this and even bobo here to give bobo credit um i agree the players did well. Our leader failed us over and over and over again. I'll even take it one step further. Players played well. Yes. Your defensive leaders did not fail you. Gibson was great. Jair Brown, really good. Logan Ryan, good for what he can be. Lenore was darn near locked down. Mooney Ward didn't allow a single catch all game against his former team in the biggest game of his life. Locked down. Edge rushers were awesome. Randy Gregory made plays. The acquisitions you made at the deadline were doing their job to put you over the hump. Linebackers making tackles. You're getting takeaways. You're getting turnovers. The defense did their job. I point to the offense, and I get guys are hurt, but Bobo, to your point, our leader failed us? No, no, no. Our leaders failed us. And I get it. Guys get hurt. We have no idea all the context that goes into things, but Debo on, off the field the whole game, and I get injuries happen. Sometimes the pain's too hard. We will never know exactly how much pain he was in. I'm not going to say anything about that. It just stinks. Kittle on and off the field. Ayuk not having his best game, but when Debo's on and off the field, we've seen in previous games, Vikings, Browns, the Bengals, Ayuk ain't the same guy. We've seen it. That's just what it is. Teams can double him, but they erase George Kittle. Two catches and four yards. What is that? George Kittle in 2019-2020 against the Chiefs was, was relegated to being the inline tight end, helping on blocking plays almost the entirety of the game to give, at that point, Jimmy G more time to throw. In this game, there was no difference. There was no plays designed for George Kittle. There was no place to get your all-pro tight end opened to make five, six-yard plays to extend drives. He caught one important pass the entirety of the game. It was a big one. No one's saying it wasn't. But for your all-pro tight end to have two catches for four yards while Travis Kelsey has, what, eight catches for 93 yards in the second half alone, that's inexcusable. For Debo Samuel and George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk to have under 100 yards total, 
the entirety of the game is inexcusable. Yes, some shots were taken, some, some shots weren't hit. That's football. It felt like there wasn't many plays designed to get your stars the ball. And in fact, um, one of the biggest issues I had, maybe you had, I know other people galore had because everyone's talking about it. You come out of halftime. It's 3-10. to 10. You know KC gets the ball. You know it's Mahomes with a chance to tie this game up. Seven points, it's 10-10, to 10, a brand new ball game. The first snap out of half for Kansas City, it's a low snap, it's darn near fumble. He throws it away. Then guess what happens? The next play, you get a stuff. The third play of the first drive out of half, Mahomes throws an interception. Ball on Kansas City's 44-yard line, and what do you do? You pass, ball gets thrown away because Purdy almost gets sacked. False starts. Aaron Banks false starts, moves you back second and 15. Purdy misses Debo. I think it hit his hands, but Purdy misses Debo. Third and 15, Purdy has to scramble. You don't get anything out of it. And to Aaron Banks' false start, penalties killed San Francisco, mainly in the first half. Back-to-back penalties by Trent Williams, a false start, and I believe a hold. I mean, yikes. Your big leaders, your offensive leaders, while not all of their mistakes killed your chances, crushed your chances, their mistakes kept snowballing to a point of your chances kept wearing thin and thin and thin and thin. At the end of the game, you still had a chance and you still didn't come through. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. After all the mistakes you made, you still had an opportunity to win the game and you didn't get it done. But back to after halftime, you get the pick. Shanahan throws the ball three times in a row. Okay, it's one drive. You squander some points. I hate that. Um, I don't hate the fact you want to pass. I'm all for that. You watch the game again. You see the NFL Next Gen uh, little dot chart they have. Casey's playing base personnel. San Francisco's running 21 personnel. SF has been awesome all year long at passing early on downs against base personnel with 21 personnel. I have no problem with Kyle Shanahan saying, hey, this is what is working. Let's keep doing it. That makes sense, right? The issue is, so you, you pass three times on first down, it don't work out. You pass three times on the first drive, doesn't work out, you squander points. Not ideal, but okay. The next drive again, your defense. Because Mitch Wisnowski, again, kicked the game of his life. Conley catches the ball at the one-yard line. You give Kansas City, like, nothing to work with. They get a three and out. Okay, great. Then you get the ball on your own 36-yard line. That's not bad field position. You run a play action. I don't know if it was a bootleg or a play fake to Jennings, and it immediately loses eight yards. So not only are you continuing to pass, which isn't the worst thing in the world, but the plays you're drawing up are actively losing you yardage. You had negative one yards 
on your first drive on Kansas City's 44-yard line to begin the half to get you some points. You score three points, maybe you win the game. Who knows? It certainly helps your case, right? The next drive you have, the first play on your own 36-yard line, you lose eight yards. Then it's a check down to CMC. Then you miss Kittle downfield. You punt. Conley again makes a great play. You've run six plays. Zero runs have, it's been all pass, six straight passes, and you have nearly, you have negative two yards, negative two yards in two drives, and you've taken less than three minutes off the clock. KC's reeling in the first half. We have Kelsey bumping on Reed, getting in his face saying, why am I not on the field? You have Chris Jones calling over the defense. You have Mahomes and the offense having to have team meetings. They're rattled. Like, what the heck's going on? This shouldn't be happening. They're feeling the pressure. They can sense, hey, if San Francisco finds a way to score some points, this can get ugly really fast. They're at their breaking point. They're against the wall, and San Francisco continually let them off the hook. Execution wasn't there, sure. It's a mixture of Shanahan's play calling and execution on good play calls, just not taking place. That's football. It happens. But again, you call six plays, they're all passes, and you have negative yardage through two drives at a halftime. You're lucky to be tied still. You're lucky to be tied. Or excuse me, you're lucky to have the lead. It's 10 to 3. Casey gets the ball. They march downfield, right? March all the way downfield. They get three. Whatever. Cool. It's 10 to 6. You still have a lead. You have a four-point lead. Right? CMC runs. You call the first running play and it gets stuffed. And you're like, uh-oh. Okay. <laughs> you tried it. Okay, whatever. Do it again. What are the odds KC stops back-to-back -back runs? Is it going to happen? Maybe it does. But when you stop running the football, and I'm not saying I'm against the pass, when you stop running the football, you not only take away play action, the opposition can just sit in the box. They can guard your screens. They can guard your play action. They can guard your end arounds. You are feeding in to what Spags wants you to do. And when you don't run the ball more so successfully, which in this game it was hit or miss. I thought Casey's defensive line did a great job in Pinnell, Chris Jones, Karloftis at getting pressure on the interior and stopping runs. That doesn't mean you stop running with your offensive player of the year because then you see what happens. It's second and long. Then it's third and long. And on third and long, when you've either had incomplete passes or stopped running early in downs and drives... You're just telling KC, it's a passing play, it's a passing play, and you're feeding right into their hands exactly what you did in 2019. Exactly what you did in 2016 for the Falcons. I'm not going to say it's all on Kyle. But you had the lead, your defense played lights out, and your side of the ball didn't execute. Whether you like it or not... Player misses a play, Purdy misses a pass, Debo has a handful of balls, hit his hands that are maybe just out of reach, and you drop them. It happens, okay? Some plays don't occur. If this was week six, whatever, it stinks, but you move on. This is the biggest game of the year. You have to execute at nearly perfection. You don't have to have, you don't have to be perfect. You gotta play an A game. You have to, especially against Mahomes.
But you had the most Pro Bowlers this year, as Bobo points out again. The most Pro Bowlers. You had two MVP finalists, the Offensive Player of the Year winner, and Kyle Shanahan himself was a Coach of the Year finalist. And you didn't win the biggest game of the year where Casey's offense didn't have the personnel to stand up against your offense. Your defense played lights out. What is anyone supposed to think? What is any player supposed to think? What... As a fan base, what are like? It's not one person's fault entirely, but when you see the same things happen over and over and over again, and it's there's a common denominator in there. You've had three different quarterbacks, three different running backs, and the same issues still exist. You had a better receiver group this year than you had in 2019. Your guys that were young, Debo and Kittle, are now all pro veteran type players. You have Ayuk over an aging Emmanuel Sanders. You have a similar offensive line with a better left tackle. You have the recipe for success. But once again, in a big game, you don't execute. But also, Shanahan gets stopped, outcoached by Steve Spagnola. And to give Spags credit, arguably the greatest defensive coordinator ever. He stopped an undefeated Patriots offense that had a record-breaking Randy Moss and Brady at the time. He stopped Niners in 2019, which was a great offense. And he stopped this team, which is one of the greatest offenses ever per DVOA. Like, KC deserves a ton of credit. No doubt about it. They played their heart out. They played lights out for a lot of this game. But I still got to say, San Francisco blew this game and didn't take advantage of what Kansas City was giving them for free. It was almost like Kyle Shanahan's brain, and even maybe certain players' brains, turned off when you needed them to be full you know, full force the most, right? Come out of halftime, takeaway, three and out, field goal, got your chance. This game could have easily have been at least 17-3 at some point. It could have been 17-6. When KC gets the field goal, you could have had a chance to put up 30, 28 points against this Kansas City defense, and you squandered it. Like, you ran, or you had three drives. You called nine passing plays, or eight passing plays, one run, and you took up less than three minutes off the clock coming out of halftime. That exact same... Ha that... It's different situations. That exact same thing happened in 2019. Now, that was the fourth quarter. It was second half. You were up 10. This is just out of the half. So you still give yourself a chance to win the game. Late, the game went to overtime by all means. But it's just as egregious because in 2019, you're on the ball. You milked the clock with the number two rushing offense in the entire league behind a MVP Lamar Jackson, right? You have Mostert, you have Jeff Wilson Jr. out there running the ball. Mostert last run was for like eight or 16 yards, and you just said, I'm going to stop doing that. In this game, yes, yeah, CMC wasn't the best he's ever been, but he was still effective. There's a reason why in overtime, you gave him the ball like nine times. Chris McCaffrey ran the ball 22 times in this game. They played five quarters. Why? I'm not saying that he had to get it 45 times. It could have been Elijah Mitchell. 
Mitchell was fine in this game. He had a nice run. Had Braden Willis not been called for a holding, <laughs> that's a first down run. But anyways, it doesn't have to be CMC. It can be Mitchell. You're facing the 29th ranked run defense, and you said, hey, with the chance to, one, maybe have an elongated drive coming out of the halftime, like, this sounds crazy, but let's just assume, and you can't assume anything, but you pick Patrick Mahomes off at the 44-yard line, okay? You're on KC's side of the field. Even if you don't get a first down, let's say it's fourth and one, you run for nine yards, what is 44 minus nine? Isn't it 35? You think Jake Moody, who was actually really good in this game, he had a low ball that got blocked, I get that, but for all the worry of, oh my goodness, Jake Moody, ooh, he played his best game, arguably. He had a field goal blocked, that stunk, but he was money from deep. When you needed him most to tie games up to get you points, he was money. Jake Moody, you think he can't make a 55-yard field goal, Kyle? Run the ball three times. And at that point... Run the 35-yard line if this indeed happened, which who knows? Everything can't be assumed. But if you run the ball three times, you get eight or nine yards, fourth and two, fourth and one. Run it again. Maybe you extend that drive. It, there's just like sometimes, and it's been said so much, when the world says zig, Kyle Shanahan says, now I'm going to zag. And sometimes that works. It really does work. But... It's not like you're facing the Lions' run defense, which was tops in football, where you still were able to run the ball extremely well. Now, to give Casey credit, I do think they played better than the 29th-ranked run defense, but you're still facing a subpar, bottom-tier run defense team, and you said, you know what? I'm not going to give it to my Offensive Player of the Year in a three-drive stretch that could have either won you the game, maybe, and at least extended your lead, my guy. And it's so painful to watch opportunities like this squandered because we can dive through every single thing. Uh, I thought Bosa had like 12 pressures. Um, there were so many great plays. Kyle Juszczyk caught a ball and he dove for the first down. It was awesome. I thought Purdy, even for his second half struggles, like... Brock Purdy, to me, in this game, proved he can hang around with Mahomes. I'm not saying he's as good as him, but if you're sitting there, or they're on YouTube, or you're listening on the audio platforms, if your takeaway is, Brock Purdy's not good enough, you're insane. Was he perfect? No. Was he great at all times? No. But he was good the majority of the game. He didn't lose you this game. Mahomes turned the ball over. Purdy didn't. Like, it just, like, and when Purdy's worst three-drive stretch was occurring, Shanahan didn't decide to give CMC the ball to get the offense back on track. It took till their fourth drive of the half with no Debo Samuel on the field after Purdy again throws an incompletion to Ayuk. His right guard, Feliciano, gets hurt. They run with CMC, get you on third and five. Purdy has to call a timeout. And then on third and five, they hit Juwan Jennings for 17 yards. Then the offense gets going. You have a screen to Debo, a juice run for a first down. Then Purdy hits Ayuk for 22 yards. Then you run behind Trent Williams, which 
if you're gonna run behind anybody, run behind Trent the previous three drives when you know KC is, if not the worst, one of the worst run-defending teams against runs behind the left tackle. Then on fourth and three, quick out to Kittle, makes finally a catch in this game, and you score a touchdown. Why in an offense that has this many stars does it take four? Like, like there, there can be one drive off, right? There can even be two drives off because the defense makes a nice play. Like, I thought McDuffie was great in this game for KC. Had an amazing PBU on Debo early in the game on a deep shot. Um, I thought he was great. But in offense with this much talent, with not just good players, with great players, elite players, you have a top five tight end, top two tight end. You have two top 20, two top 15 receivers in the entire league. You have the best running back and the, the best left tackle. And you have an MVP caliber quarterback who was playing pretty well. Steve Spagnola, after this game, equated Brock Purdy to Drew Brees. If Spagnola, who has seen everything, Brady, Brees, he's coached good players. He's coached against elite players. If he's equating your young quarterback to Drew Brees, and I think it was Guy Haberman said this on his podcast, which is a great podcast, by the way. Um, he said that go look at 2007 Tom Brady and Brock Purdy's stats in this game. They're nearly identical. Spagnola, it was like 253 yards to 255 yards, Brady and Purdy. It was one touchdown apiece, no turnovers. They weren't really able to, like, they didn't make Purdy irrelevant. They didn't make Brady irrelevant. They didn't turn the ball over. They just knew that, okay, if we can get at the time, Belichick and Shanahan to stop doing what they're supposed to do, doing what they're known for, relying on who's got you there, you can win the game. I thought Purdy was good. They put up a ton of points in the second half to stay with Kansas City. Right? It's 16-16. You're tied up. Moody makes the field goal. Okay? Bang! Even on that next drive where it's 19-16 San Francisco, it's 3-4. and four, Casey bats the ball down. Why not run the ball? Get you in a fourth and one. Fourth and inches. Like, I don't know if that's a Purdy thing. And this is the play where many people are putting on Twitter where Purdy throws the ball... To Debo and Ayuk's or, or Jennings and, and Ayuk's wide open. It seems more like Juwan is the first read, and with the blitz, Purdy just threw there. Same thing occurs in overtime to Jennings on the post route or fade route in the end zone. That seems like a scheme issue, not a Purdy issue. Yes, a quarterback is supposed to throw the ball where the blitzer, you know evades that spot, moves out of the spot where they, they leave empty space, right? It just seems like Kyle, and I don't want to say it's only him because I have no idea if this is actually the case, but it feels like it's, hey, Purdy, if they're going to blitz, throw it to your first read. Don't throw it to where the defender is going to vacate the area. That happened on two plays, eerily similar, where guys get unblocked on third down, literally both times, third and four, and Purdy with no time, goes to his first read, ball gets batted down here. Why not run the ball? 
Like, it's not like, an, like he re-ran it three times prior to that on the exact same drive. One to Debo, two to CMC. And on second and four, you have play action to Kittle. He gets no gain. And on third and four, run the ball. Make it a fourth and two. Make it a fourth and one. Then go for it again. You're already on your on KC's side of the field. Be aggressive. Be aggressive. And, and to give Kyle credit, he was aggressive late in the game on fourth down to George Kittle. It set up a touchdown for Jawan Jennings. That stuff is great. That was Kyle Shanahan's Dan Campbell moment. Hey, we're going to go out there and be aggressive. We're going to win this game. But you can't go through spurts of, I'm going to be aggressive here, then ultra conservative here. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be who I have been all year and, and, and hold my identity and my pride high in the air. We're going to run and run and run. But then when it matters most, pass, pass, pass. You're not fooling anybody, Kyle. It's not gimmicks. Kyle's one of the smartest people in the entire league. He is one of, if not the best, offensive minds when it comes to scheming open players. He's incredibly smart. Who are we to question Kyle Shanahan? The issue is, is that not only are you facing one of the best defensive coordinators, it's not like this is rocket science. You can pass a couple times. You have to be, like, I get it. Like, take the Titans, for example. Their offense is limited to a certain degree because it's only Derrick Henry. They run, they run, they run. And that offense is limited. San Francisco essentially has their Derrick Henry, a more explosive version, with Chris McCaffrey, who had 23 freaking touchdowns, 24 touchdowns this year. And they said, you know what? Meh. We're just not going to use him for a three-drive stretch in this game. But Brock Purdy, I thought, he makes this offense not one-dimensional. He makes this offense able to pass the ball. Purdy hit a handful of big plays. 22 to Ayuk, 20-plus to Jawan, 17 to... Like, Purdy was making explosive plays in this game to put you in positions to score field goals. But here's the thing is that for as great as Purdy was, for as good as CMC was, you have to go look at Kyle Shanahan and his offense on third downs. I said it on 95.7 The Game in the pregame show on Sunday. I said it on here, I believe, almost all year long. Great defenses know how to get off the field on third downs. Great offenses know how to stay on the field on third downs. And listen to these stats. Against the Patriots, 2016 with the Falcons, Shanahan's offense on third downs, one for eight. Against the Chiefs in 2019, Kyle Shanahan's offense on third downs, three for eight. Against the Chiefs on Sunday, two days ago, three for 12. A total of seven for 28 on third downs in the Super Bowl. They continually fail to continue drives, to extend drives on third downs. Kyle Shanahan's offenses in the biggest games of the year have a 25% third down conversion rate. With this offense, which I can argue is better than, or at least on par with, the 2016 Falcons team. You have MVP Matt Ryan, you have darn near MVP Brock Purdy. You have a better rushing attack this year 
than you had in Atlanta with Coleman and, and, and Freeman. You have Julio Jones, you got Debo, and you got Ayuk, you have Muhammad Sneel and Taylor Gabriel. You have Austin Hooper, you have George Kittle. Like You have the weaponry to be the best third down converting team in the entire league on offense. And you haven't been in the biggest moments. Why? The issue is, it's not the lack of being able to convert on third downs. It's putting yourself in horrible positioning on third down. A graphic popped up on the screen during the CBS broadcast. The average third down for Shanahan at like, in like the third quarter of this game was third and 12. How do you expect your offense to be able to succeed when you continually put them behind the eight ball? Like, I don't care who you are, even Mahomes. If Andy Reid continually put Mahomes, and Mahomes is great, he can do things other guys can't, I guarantee you, if the average third down he had was third and 12, he would convert maybe 30%, 35%. Like, no quarterback, no team can usually succeed continually on third and 12 on 3rd and 11. It's, it's just, just impossible knowing how good the teams are this late in the year. Yes, players miss passes. Yes, uh, blocks... Like, Kyle can't block on the offensive line. There's a massive play all over Twitter. And I think this, this is a great example of Kyle being Kyle in the worst way, in the biggest moment. It's overtime, okay? You get to overtime. You're at... In the red zone, you can also get another first down, mind you, which doesn't matter too much, but you have space. There is room. You can call anything you want here. It's third and four. This is to either get a touchdown or you got to settle for a field goal in overtime, which we can get to Shanahan's overtime discussion in a second here. But my goodness, this is the fade pass to Jawan Jennings where KC gets two free blockers Shanahan has the five linemen lined up and Kittle on the line as well, there to chip and go out for a short pass, okay? He puts CMC in motion across the quarterback in front of him, snaps the ball, okay? Jake Brendel pulls out, runs behind CMC to likely sell the motion. Why? You're already setting yourself up for failure. If that was early in the game, who cares? If this was a different situation, say it's in the first quarter, second quarter, say it's in the NFC Championship game, not on third and four, where you want to give your quarterback the most time to throw. You want to make sure, hey, we may not hit this throw, we want to make sure he at least has time to make the throw. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You may miss it. At least give your guy a chance to actually make the pass to complete the throw. You may drop it. Maybe an overthrow. Maybe an underthrow. At least give Purdy time to actually complete his motion 
and make a throw. Shanahan pulls the center out. Banks is supposed to go right and get the guy over the center, which Brendel vacates the spot. Burford's supposed to go right. Instead, he goes left. McKivitz passes off Jones, which you, there's no use check back there for pass blocking aid. There's no CMC because he went in motion to the left. You vacated the pocket. You vacated your center on the motion. Your backup right guard doesn't know what he's supposed to do. And now you've given Casey a free lane for not one, but two edge rushers right in Purdy's face. And he's like, what the heck, man? He has to throw it up in the air. That is not setting your guys up for success. Yes, and Burford makes the block. Who knows what happens? Ayuk's in the back of the end zone open because the DB falls down. He wasn't the first read. It was Jennings. But just like that third and four earlier in the game where Casey blitzes, like Casey blitzed over 40% of the time. You know they were going to attack you, Kyle. You know it. And you take away potentially two pass-blocking pass aids. The center, give Purdy a five-man pocket and you let Kittle chip. It gives you time. And you also pull CMC out. If you want to pull CMC out, fine. He's done it all year. You at least want to give Purdy a five-man pocket with Kittle chipping. That's plenty of time to make a play. Instead, you give Purdy no chance to make that throw. Yes, Burford effed up. We know we did. So did Kyle Shanahan. You do not pull your center in that moment. Knowing how poorly... Your offense had been all game long when it came to protecting Brock Purdy. He was under pressure so much in this game. Yes, he was fine against the Blitz, but knowing your offensive line was the 26th ranked offensive line in pass protection all year, you decide to remove one of the guys. In fact, I think your second best pass blocker in Jake Brendel, take him out of the entirety of the entire equation don't give Purdy a CMC or check in the backfield in pass pro that can actually block Jones for at least a second or so or pick up a free blitzer. You don't do any of that. Why? Why? Go watch, uh, I think it's Mitchell Schwartz's video on Twitter. It's a great job explaining the entire thing. Why are you doing... Like, Kyle, you're so smart, but you're so smart that you're dumb. I love Kyle. He's not getting fired. He's not going nowhere, but it's like, good grief, man. Just run a pass play or run the ball. Call a pass, give Purdy time, or run the ball instead of a fourth and one, a fourth and two. Like, imagine that play being a delayed handoff where Burford has his guy, there's no crazy run, and if you want to have Kittle still chip just to kind of have some weird misdirection there for the, the defense, that's fine. And then you get to what Kyle Shanahan said in overtime. Now, or about overtime. And I am someone who... I don't care about overtime because they had so many chances to execute in regulation. They failed so much to execute in regulation that overtime to me should never happened. You gave KC every chance to stay in this game. Every chance you had like five or six chances, whether it was at, at just outside a half or late in the game on third downs, you set up a few goals, you could have had touchdowns. It happened over and over and over again. 
overtime to me is irrelevant knowing how much you failed. You didn't lose the game in overtime. You lost it in the fourth quarter. You lost it when you didn't run CMC in the third quarter. That's when you lost the game. You still had a chance, but the minute you gave him home time to get back in the game, it was over. It was done. You had every chance to pull the way and you failed. And you failed. But you get to overtime, okay? And I'm talking to my friend Mark Grandy, 95.7 the game, post-game host with him. And I'm like, do we take the ball? Do we give the defense time to, to rest? I had no issue with Shanahan taking the ball. No problem with that. Okay, go down, score some points. Um, initially, that's what I thought. Now, there is certainly credence to um, taking the ball second. That way you know how many points you have to score. But knowing the defense is gashed, but that doesn't seem like that was the rationale behind Kyle. Kyle says that, and this is so funny too, because Kyle openly lied to the media in this game, but we'll get to that in a second. Um, Kyle tells the media that we're playing for the third possession. What third possession? There is no guaranteed third possession. You're playing for a non-existent opportunity. You've already blown every opportunity you had now you're playing for one that's not going to exist. Like, what kind of 3D-level chess, Cerebro, Charles Xavier mind games are you trying to play? Like, how is that, like, how does that rationale work? I don't care the players didn't know the overtime rules. I don't care you, you took the ball. But to say we settle for a field goal in hopes we're playing and can hold KC to a field goal... To play for that third possession sudden death. This ain't freaking dodgeball, brother. You ain't the average Joes. You're the global gym purple cobras. You blew your chance. You stepped on the line too many times. The ref blew the whistle. Offsides, brother. You gotta make the plays when you have the chance. You're playing for opportunities that don't exist. What? The rules are simple. You get the ball. The other team then will get the ball. No matter if you score or not, they will get the ball. Whether you score a field goal or a touchdown or don't score at all, they will get a chance to get the ball. And even KC after the game, and you're not going to know exactly what the other team's thinking, but at that point, it's winner take all. As soon as the second team gets the ball for their drive, it's winner take all. Whether you get three or you get seven, it doesn't matter. They are not going to want to put the ball back in your hand. As soon as, whether it's San Francisco, and in this case, as soon as Mahomes came out for that second drive, it's over. Either you're going to win, or they're going to win. It's that simple. They're going for two. They do not want to give you a chance to score any more points. Like, did Kyle think Kansas City was that stupid? Because the only person that looks dumb now is Kyle Shanahan. You're playing for the third possession that one isn't going to exist. But second, Casey's not going to give you. Why? Why? And just, ugh. You, you wouldn't even be talking about OT if you just actually played the game correctly and executed in, in the four quarters you had. You had like 12 Pro Bowlers this year, 9 Pro Bowlers this year. The most of anybody. You had all pros galore. You had the better roster. You were the better team for three and a half quarters, three quarters. Your defense played lights out. And your offense was like, 
I'm doing my part. I'm doing my part. I'm the offense. I'm not doing my part. Like, my God, Kyle. Then after the game, again, I hate to go back to it, but in that three drives of not running the ball with Christian McCaffrey, they asked Kyle Shanahan, hey, why'd you stop running the football? Why'd you get away from running the football? Kyle Shanahan openly says, oh, I didn't do that. We didn't stop running the ball. Well, I'm sorry, Kyle. What does the play log say? Pass, 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 pass. Oh, one run in nine plays. You didn't stop running the football. Huh. Yes, you did. <laughs> there is credence to against base personnel of the defense. You want to pass the ball. You've been great against it all year. I have no problem with you wanting to pass, especially with Brock Purdy. I trust him. You trust him. We all love him. He's not the problem. The issue is... When it fails once, okay, fool me once, so that's on me. Fool me twice, oh my god, fool me three times, what the heck, man? You cannot make the same mistakes over and over and over and over and over again and expect to have a different result. You cannot jam a, a square peg into a round hole. It's not going to work that way. And look, Kyle's so freaking smart, smarter than I am. I'm not sitting here calling one of the geniuses dumb. But sometimes... It takes a dummy like myself to smack a genius in the face to wake him up and say, hey, maybe that's not going to work. A blind squirrel like myself will find a nut every once in a while. And sometimes the smart genius squirrel packs all his nuts into one hole, puts them in one place to stack for the winter, and he gets there and they're all gone because someone else found them. Spags found your nuts, brother, and he stole them away from you. It's that simple. Like, this game comes down to a lot of, you know, 3D chess and chess versus checkers. The reality of it is, when you made a mistake, when you had a just crazy chance and you fumbled the ball and the cloud didn't pick it up, it happens, it sucks, it's chance, it's unlucky, but that's what happened. The minute it happened, the minute it happened, they scored on the very next play. When they made, when they made mistakes, you couldn't capitalize. It's really that simple. It's that simple. I mean, my goodness. The same thing has happened over and over and over again for three Super Bowls. Against the Rams in 2021, the exact same thing happened. I thought when Kyle went forward on fourth down, oh, to Kittle, fourth and three, or fourth, whatever it was. Boom, Kittle, first down, drive extends. Oh my goodness, here we go. Kyle's learned. He's gained some perspective. He... He didn't. Because in the, in the post-game press conference, he lies to the media. Oh, why, why didn't stop running? Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Whether it was right or wrong, that's a different conversation. I think it's wrong. But you lied to the media. You lied. And you didn't make it with sunshine and rainbows, my friend. You lied. <laughs> We're not stupid. Niner fans can be irrational sometimes. I get that. We want to win so bad it blinds us. We're not stupid. We have eyes. We can see. Yeah, we aren't, you know, we aren't in that room all the time. We're not running plays and we're not going through film 24-7 in Cabo. Like, I get it, Kyle. You don't want to be questioned. The difference is you're not being questioned on things we don't know. We can't see physically. We can see these things. You just lied. And then in overtime, we're playing for a third possession. What third possession? Uh, Bridget in the comments here 
I want to get to her comment because it, it, it's a good one. Um, Chiefs fan here. It was a good game, but the look on the poor Niners fans on that last drive, I don't think Kyle's smarter than you. I mean, obviously not. Um, Bridget, <laughs> um, I cannot tell you the dread I had. There was still hope. There's always hope. I, I had hope in 2019 for Jimmy G. They were going to have this fourth quarter comeback. They had so many that year. Hope is not lost. There was still hope that KC was going to force something. We were going to get a pick or a fumble. The defense that had been so good all game was going to make a play. The hope was still there. But yes, it was like all the hope, the excitement. I'll admit to you, I run the Instagram account for the Niners Access. I had a graphic drafted up in case we won the championship, ready to go, all set, players on it. It was going to say Super Bowl 58 champions, going to have all the pictures, ready to go. And I was so excited to hit send as soon as that game hit zero. I was ready to celebrate a first championship in 29 years. I've watched my Giants win three. They were awesome. I've seen the Warriors win four. I'm not a Warrior fan, but I work for them in a way. But good for them. The Bay has had a handful of championships. And as much as those meant, as much as, what, 2015 for the Warriors meant and, and, and 2010 for the Giants meant, I guarantee you this one would have meant more. There was nothing like football in the Bay Area. Football is the most popular sport in America. This team has already had two previous chances, two different head coaches, three, in a way, if you want to say four different quarterbacks, Smith, Kaepernick, Jimmy G, and Purdy, they've had their chances over and over and over again, and they've lost in heartbreaking fashion over and over and over again. I don't know if this team is cursed. I don't think so. But here's how we're going to end today. This game... It wasn't their last chance to win a Super Bowl. If Brock Purdy is who we think he is, which I think we know who he is, and he's pretty darn good. And I also think that Brock Purdy's processing is only going to get better. His biggest strength is only going to get better. The more he sees, the more blitzes he experiences, the more coverages he plays against, he's going to get better. He's going to now have a full offseason program fully healthy for the first time since his rookie season, first time as a starter, whole offseason, I do think Brock Purdy is going to get better. And if he's better, or at least on par with who he was this year, San Francisco, even when they have to pay him after 2025, they are going to have a chance. Just like the Ravens and Lamar, just like Mahomes in Kansas City, just like the Bills and Josh Allen, like, I'm not saying he's as good as those guys. I'm just saying he's on par with giving, giving his team a chance to be in the Super Bowl and win it every single year. If he is who we think he is. I also will say this. This is the last chance I think you're going to have with this core. And we know this offseason is going to be insane and crazy. Um, it's already started. Uh... After the game yesterday, you had John Feliciano, who on a one-year deal right guard got hurt in this game, and Spencer Burford replaced him for overtime and part of the fourth quarter. Um, you had him on Twitter saying, 
you know, McKivitz didn't blow that play in overtime. It was Burford's fault. Um, that's me paraphrasing. But then Burford sees it and is like, what the heck, man? And then Feliciano says, well, I was drunk. I'm sorry. I hurt you. I didn't mean to. That's not a good look. I don't care if you're drunk or not. What are you doing, man? Get off of Twitter. You lost the biggest game. I get you're hurting. If you want to have a drink or two or 10, whatever. Get off of Twitter, man. Like... The fan base shouldn't be in players' DMs and comments saying negative things. They lost the biggest game of their life for a second time for many of them. They're hurting. Don't do that stuff. And for teammates, what are you doing, man? We're supposed to be in this together. You don't point fingers. It's easy to do so. I can guarantee you, Feliciano's not coming back. We don't want that in the locker room. Drunk or not, we don't want that here. No, no, no. We have to be one mindset championship goal-centered. We don't want that stuff here. But even then, Trent Williams is going to be 36, man. 36, 37. His ankle is a ticking time bomb. Great player still. Even if he's a step below what he was this year, still top five left tackle. Fred, one year older. Kittle, one year older. Debo, one year older. And a lot more banged up. CMC, had the most carries in the entire NFL this year, including playoffs. He ain't getting 25, 24 touchdowns next year. And, and if he does, insane. It's just not likely. Purdy, young. He can take a step up. He can fill some of those voids. They'll win probably 10 plus games next year if everyone's healthy. But there's no promise of that. There's no promise of that. You're going to lose McLeod. You might lose Jennings. You might lose Ayuk. Why Yuke on the fifth year option is already saying his his partner, girlfriend, whatever she is, is already saying this could be our last game or was our last game at Levi's. Ayuke saying, don't forget what you got you there. Like, they're already hinting at and, and those are contract negotiation things, but they're already hinting at leaving. Chase Young, probably gone. Gregory, not under contract, gone. And Dre Greenlaw tore his Achilles. We watched this team in 2020 suffer catastrophic injuries. It's part of the game. It happens. We watched this year alone. A record number of franchise or at least starting quarterbacks get hurt. Things happen you can't account for. There is no promise that this team is this healthy ever again in the biggest game. There is no promise they ever get back to this game. And it was so important because this is likely going to be your best chance and was your best chance to finally get that sixth Lombardi trophy. And when you look at the offseason, there's a stat here by Albert Breer. Give me a second and I'll pull it up. That it, it blew my mind. I knew it. It was obvious. And it was one of those things in the back of my head like, this is why you have to win. But here it is. There are eight players... Currently, on the Niners, you can guess they're the stars, right? That combined for $198 million in cap charges next year. In 2024, $198 million allotted to just eight players. If Ayuk plays under his fully guaranteed fifth-year option, which I don't think is going to happen, they want to extend him, they said they want to extend him, that lowers the cap hit. But let's just say he plays under the fifth-year option. 
nine players taking up $212 million in cap space. Now, the NFL salary cap should be around 240, 245, so which means you have 44 roster spots to fill, roughly, not counting guys like D. Winters and Jalen Graham and rookies who weren't making an impact. You have 44 roster spots to fill with 28 to $33 million of cap space. You have 11 draft picks. Let's say it's 33 roster spots to fill. Well, a first-round draft pick usually carries a cap hit around eight, six to nine million dollars. You're not gaining any money. That's a ton of restructures ahead of us. A ton of corners having to be cut. Not the position, but literally, maybe there is a you know bottom tier cornerback number two, cornerback number three. Maybe there is another. Well, we don't have any money. We can't have a star right tackle. Spencer Burford, you're gonna start next year. Uh-oh, Aaron Banks, who had five pressures in this game, was really bad. Second-round pick. You gotta start again next year. Uh, D. Winters, Jalen Graham, who I like both those guys. Uh, there's no green law. You have to play next year. The odds there are massive and bigger holes on this team than there were this year is almost a guarantee. Unless players have insane second- and third-year jumps, this team is not going to be as good as they were this year. They can be good, but the odds of them being this good, not very high. But okay, let's say they do you know, restructure Kittle again and Armstead and CMC and others like they do every single year. Just kick that paycheck down the road. We'll pay in four or five years. Give them the D Ford um, uh, treatment, right? And we'll just pay you later, right? San Francisco has nine players in 2025, are going to make more than $194 million. You cannot continue to push contracts down the road and not win. Look at the Saints, okay? The Saints won one Super Bowl in Drew Brees' tenure, okay? Competitive for a long time. They had good teams for a long time. What do they continue to do is kick the can down the road, kick the can down the road. Look where they are now. There's some context in there, sure, but you can't continue to kick the can down the road and not win. When you're winning, keep kicking. Keep kicking that can. Keep going and go as far as you can. 2045, whatever you want. When you fail to win, they ain't no can to kick. Kicking yourself. You, you can't continue to pay these guys. They're 35 and 34 at certain points. I will pay you $10 million next year. You're going to have to cut so many corners. Where To a point where you look like Kansas City this year. Where it's Chris Jones, a one-year deal. Where you have an offense that has a good offensive line, mind you. But the lack of weaponry is insane. Yeah, Rasheed Rice and Marquez Valdez-Scantling and and, and 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 Pacheco, who's good, but, like, come on. You are going to then limit what your quarterback can do in this offense. Which, Purdy's good, but most quarterbacks are not as good with worse weapons. Lamar Jackson, a great season. That passing offense was not good. Josh Allen... Stephon Diggs, when they weren't together, and it was Gabe Davis who was dropping passes left and right. 
when you remove weaponry from an offense, like a Shanahan one, your team is going to play worse. If you have to take away those weapons, the quarterback's going to play maybe not top 10, maybe he's top 15. It happens. That's life. That's that, that that's the cycle in football, unless you have a Mahomes or a Brady. Purdy's not Mahomes or Brady. He's really good. Maybe he is Drew Brees. Maybe he is, who can make people around him better. Ayuk was amazing this year. Purdy made Ayuk better. Purdy made Debo and McCaffrey and Kittle better. No doubt. The issue is, when you have this many stars that are now aging, that are beaten and broken and battered and some things torn, how do you continually pick yourself up to make these insane runs? We saw 2020, how awful it was. We saw 2021, you just didn't have enough left. You saw 2022, uh, 2022, <laughs> Purdy gets the UCL snap and things aren't the same. Things happen. Lamar Jackson's never played in the Super Bowl and he has two MVPs. Josh Allen has never played in a Super Bowl. Joe Burrow's played in one and he suffered two season-ending injuries. Nothing is promised. People are going to be gone. Stars, Chase Young, Gregory, maybe Ayuk. You have 44 roster spots to fill. And almost no money to do it. And you already aren't going to have Dre Greenlaw on the team. This was the chance. Not the last chance, but it was your best chance. And knowing you got the contributions from Jennings and Conley and McLeod in the receiving game, and even Mitchell. And there were other players stepping up. Logan Ryan, Gibson, Jair Brown. Like, Hufunga didn't play at all at the end of the year, and you still had a chance. If you'd have told me your all-pro safety got hurt in the Buccaneers game, and you were beating Mahomes by 10 points in the Super Bowl, I would have said, that's crazy. We're going to win. You just don't have chances like this every year. It may never happen again. San Francisco now has to wait at least 30 years in between their last Super Bowl win. It was 29 this year, 30 next year. The odds of getting back are so, so slim. It can happen. It can for sure happen. But it's not guaranteed. It can assume. And right now, going into one of the most dreadful off-seasons ever where you have players, Feliciano and Burford beefing because one gets drunk and says things he shouldn't. You have Ayuk and his family being like, hey, I want to get paid. We may not play here next year. Who knows where that leads? It could be a resigning. Could also be a trade. There's so many big decisions to make. That's why you had to win. Debo and Trent both missed time this year. Really changed your season. You had the one seed. You had everything you told us you needed. The one seed. The MVP quarterback. The offensive player of the year. The all-pro weapons. The top five defense in the biggest game of the season. And yet it still wasn't enough. What is it going to take? Is it just Mahomes? Is that the issue? Are we Stockton and Malone against Jordan? Is that the issue? That can't be the only thing. 
it's not just Mahomes and Spags and, and Andy Reid and the Chiefs and Kelsey. That's not the only issue. We've had them beat twice. The issue is within. Can you overcome yourself? All year long, the only team in San Francisco's way was San Francisco. In the biggest game of the year, in the most important stretch of the year, for the betterment of the game, they weren't in their own way, but in the biggest moments, they got back in their way, and it ended their season. And to know, you had the brass ring in your hand, you were about to smash the glass ceiling, get the monkey off your back, and you fumbled the bag. You blew it once again. This is the most heartbreaking loss I've ever experienced as a Niner fan. German Pata, hope I'm getting your name right, says this. It's about Debo Samuel. I don't fully agree, but he says, I'm out on Debo Samuel, so lazy. I won't call him lazy. I don't want to hate on Debo. I will say this, though. I don't know if it was the injuries. Could have been. I don't know if it was the frustration not getting the ball. There were times it looked like he pulled himself off the field. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. I'm not on the field. Or sorry, I have no idea the context of what's going on there exactly. It looked like at times he pulled himself off the field. Now, you use context and you see a play early in the game where there is no Debo, there is no Ayuk, there's no McCaffrey, and it's Mitchell and McLeod and Conley. That's weird. Maybe it was a personnel decision by Kyle. But at times, whether it was because of injury or because of Kyle, it looked like Debo pulled himself off the field. I'm sure he's hurt. I'm not saying he's not. But at times, it looked like he pulled himself off the field. Debo Samuel had one of his worst games ever. Kittle had one of his worst games ever as a receiver. non factors. I believe Justin Watson for Kansas City had more receiving yards than Debo and Kittle and Ayuk combined. A third receiver for Kansas City outplayed three stars, two superstars on this offense. And it's so funny to me that, and again, when you get in these moments, you look back to, to, to the whole season and the context of, of it all. Debo Samuel said that he never wanted to put anything like 2022 on tape again. This game, you put 2022 tape on the field. Just stinks. It's unfortunate. It stinks. I don't think Debo's lazy. I don't. They work too hard. I, I've been there at camp. I've been there at practice. I respect all these people. They work their freaking ass off. They do. They do. They really do. And they love this team. They love Kyle. To hear their post-game press conferences of, I didn't want to look my teammates in the eyes. To know Kyle Juszczyk had to console <laughs> so many young players. To know Tishon Gibson and Logan Ryan may have played their last games of their entire career ever. It's heartbreaking. It really is. To know you were literally a drive away. A goal line stance away. Again. And you couldn't get it done. 
I don't know how you move past 2011. I don't know how you move past 2019. I don't know how you move past more than ever 2024. This simply sucked. There isn't many explanations, a lot of frustrations, but the only way, only way this Niner fan base, this team is going to be satisfied is by getting a Super Bowl. No more playoff runs. No more, oh, we won the division. Who cares? Who cares? Yeah, it's great. Who cares? No one cares about divisional games or the divisional round wins. No one cares about NFC titles. No one cares. It wears old. Cool. You are half successful. You're 75% complete. No one cares. This season is, in a way, a failure. Yeah, Purdy was great. CMC, great. This is the best Niners team to never win a championship so far. The best Niners roster to not win a Super Bowl. They've had great ones. This is the best one. And it took me two days to make this podcast. Because I didn't want to talk about it. Uh, after the game, I was on 95.7 The Game, hosted a four and a half hour post game show and screamed my lungs out. And I'm sure what I covered here was half of what I covered in that, if that. I'm sure it was less than this. This is a condensed version of that four and a half hour radio show I did where I lost my voice. Because I was heartbroken. As I'm sure you were as well. And it, I was getting DMs. I was getting uh, audio messages from friends, from family, from followers on social media. And I do want to read one here. I, I, I will not say their name. But I got, I got this and it just killed me. It said, so, so, so sad. My 13-year-old boy had turned into a huge Niner fan. He was devastated last night being Sunday and still is. I'm a huge Niner fan, grew up in the Bay because of Montana and Rice Young, Ricky Waters, and etc. Because I experienced them winning championships. There's nothing like it. Nothing like it. I wanted my son to feel the way I felt. I'm 27. This championship felt different. This opportunity, this run felt different. Whether it was the players, the players' wives, the coaches, the media, Purdy, CMC, the fan base. For the first time in a long time, this fan base felt together. It felt like this was a familial effort to winning a championship. The overall confidence, yeah, there's podcasters, there's content creators who say things they shouldn't and, and can criticize things they shouldn't and, and get in their own way and make things look bad. But 99% of the fan base was together. This championship felt like it was for the older fan base that had seen the wins to get back to glory. It felt like the fans that have seen this team lose time and time again to get back and get their first championship ever in their lifetime... And this felt like one for the youngest fans who had never seen their team suffer to get their first one and never have to experience any of that awfulness for the past 30 years. 
This felt like a coming together. Everything just felt like this was going to happen. And it didn't. And it's heartbreaking. This sucks. I didn't play the games. I can't imagine how the players feel. Nick Bosa talked about preparation a handful of times. Maybe that's a Steve Wilkes issue. I have no idea. All I know is, is that everything restarts and it's going to be even harder. The, the drafts in what? Two months? OTAs are in what? Five months? Six months? Preseasons in seven months? Opening days what? Less than ten. You got to restart to pick yourself back up again. And after doing that the past four seasons, I don't blame you for not wanting to do it anymore. It's hard. Now, that being said, we are faithful for a reason. You lose hope and you get back up for a reason. Um, and Bobo, again, is going off on Kyle Shannon in the comments. Um, yeah, this goes back to what I said earlier, Bobo. Kyle lied to the media um, and uh, didn't take responsibility in 2019, didn't take responsibility this past year. It sucks. You just, you, you don't get it. Just, just, Purdy took responsibility. Purdy said myself, or himself, I guess, that we, as an offense, didn't do our job. We, he even said, I need to do better. When your quarterback can do that, when your running back can do that, when your defensive leaders can say that, and your head coach can't, for as great as Kyle is, there's just something missing. He don't have to say it to me. He ain't got to say it to you. It's nice to hear, but you want to hear him say it to the team. You want to openly know that's being said. I like to think it is, but there's no proof the players love Kyle. I'll take that for what it's worth. I think this team will be good again. They'll be back eventually. It just... I don't know. I sat in my room, and I'm sure you did as well, and on the couch after the game, and just let the dread kind of sink in. Of like, we have to try this all over again. <laughs> And you watch Kansas City's done it three times. It's been to, what, four in the last five years? And you're like, seriously? Better roster than them. Better defense, or at least on par defense than them. Better in this game than them. Better offense than those guys. They have a quarterback, maybe. But Purdy's still darn good. Top ten in my eyes. What's missing? What's the missing link? I don't think Kyle Shanahan's the missing link. I think Kyle Shanahan is missing the link to a Lombardi trophy. I think Kyle Shanahan can win one. I do. He's had him right there a handful of times. But I think the question we're all searching for is what will eventually put him over the top? Because there's a lot in the way. And it's not just one thing. You can't just put your finger on it and say, yeah, this is exactly why. There's so much that continues to occur to get in the way. And it's not just Kyle. 
He can't block. He can't pass. He can't run. It's not just Kyle. But when there's a common denominator and three different losses, two of them, the biggest ones, the last, you know, 2019 and this past year of the Niners, it, it just makes you think a lot about who your head coach is. And I understand Niner fans being justified in saying, maybe you want the guy. I think Kyle can win. In fact, I think at a certain point, Kyle will win. He's too smart to not win. He's too good to not win. I just think Kyle lacks the ability at times to make the adjustments or he overcorrects. And sometimes the game is needs to be simple. Like, again, if your name is German, I apologize. If it's German, I apologize. Um, Kyle's protection scheme is too simple. Actually... I think it's too complicated. You can get beat because the player doesn't execute. I think Kyle, and this is more importantly going back to that third and four in overtime, why are you pulling the center out? Just, just drop back. Just drop back. Give. You can put CMC in motion. Why do you need to have this creative protection plan? Just drop back and win. Purdy had no time to throw. You gave him two or three seconds, guarantee he finds Ayuk. He might even hit Juwan Jennings. Might even won the game. Sometimes it's not about being creative. It's about keeping it simple. You know, the old phrase, kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. Sometimes Kyle Shanahan can get too creative, thinking, this will deceive him. When in reality, Spags, we're just going to blitz. If you get it, you get it. We get the ball again, so it doesn't matter. We'll take our shot here. We're going to go for two anyways. Sometimes I do think Kyle doesn't think... I don't think he thinks ahead all the time. He can set up defenses for certain plays, but it's almost like the opposing coaches are one step ahead of him. Kyle might be five steps ahead of most coordinators and defensive coaches but at least against Kansas City it certainly feels like KC's always one step ahead and it stinks it stinks uh to to German German's point again I again I apologize um it's on the center in the offense to set protections but man Kyle needs to change change something and let Purdy see it and call it you're right for the most part on the play I'm referring to third and four in overtime no that's not on the center at all. That would be a complete game or play change entirely. Um, you'll hear Purdy can, 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 no call two plays in the huddle. His man. Sometimes things get... Sometimes things get too creative for their own good. Um, and Joe Fraga here. Uh, I don't know exactly what you think, but I'm going to go far and just add this in there. Dude, like the Niners need another talking about them. Uh, I don't know what you mean by that, but what I'll say is this. What I don't like is Eagles fans and, and, and Cowboys fans talking on our name. We are now the biggest enemy of the NFC. Everyone now hates this team. The media thinks we're frauds. Um, the media continually will not buy into Kyle Shanahan. Some fans won't buy into Kyle Shanahan. And now, 
in the biggest offseason we're going to have in a long time, where a handful of players are going to leave, they're going to have massive holes on both sides of the ball if you can't fill them with quality players because money's going to be so tight. You now have the biggest target on your back, and you have to make that trek back up the mountain again. Sometimes it seems impossible <laughs> because it darn near might be. And it stinks. It really stinks. Uh, the 2023-2024 season is over. The offseason is here. And once again, there is no Lombardi Trophy coming back to San Francisco. It stinks. It sucks. Another blown opportunity for the Niners. I've almost gone two hours here. An hour and a half. Longer than I wanted to go. But the comments... The likes, the views, the fans, the faithful. Thank you for an amazing 2023-2024 season. If you were there for OTs or OTAs, excuse me, with me, mini camp and training camp, all the way until now, thank you so much for watching all the podcasts, all the videos, for liking, sharing, and subscribing, following me and this fan base on social media. The faithful make a difference. You guys are awesome. You care. You're passionate. I truly believe you're the best fan base in the entire world. Um, I would I would go through this every single year if it meant being part of this. This community, this fan base, the content creators, the media. This is a great season. Didn't end how we wanted it to. It'll be looked back as one of the biggest missed opportunities ever. But this was a great, great season. So many magical moments. Two amazing come-from-behind wins in the playoffs. Just so much to be happy for, thankful for. Um, again, a lot to be mad about and frustrated about, but the draft's in two months. And before you know it, we're going to be gearing up for another season. Stay tuned all off-season long. Plenty of draft content, off-season content, free agency content. It's not going away. I'm not going away, and I hope you don't go away either. I get it. The season's over. Maybe you just need time to heal and kind of just take a step back and say, huh, I need maybe some uh, withdrawal from the 49ers, but we're still going to be here when you get back. So again, thank you for like, sharing, subscribing, leaving that review. Don't forget to follow us on social media at 49ers underscore access is the X or Twitter. 49ers dot access is the Instagram. You can also use our promo code 49ers access 49 ERS ACC ESS for $20 off your first purchase at SeatGeek.com. Whether it's baseball games, football games, basketball games, and concerts, that promo code still applies throughout the entirety of the offseason and to next year. Save yourself some money uh, and go enjoy a summer without some football and gear up for the fall because once it starts we're still wanting that sixth it's not going away the drive is still there might be harder but we're still fighting for that sixth and as long as this core is here for as the injuries might come as bad as the year might be next year there's still going to be that hope we're here to instill that be honest with you but also uh, give you what we can when it comes to being faithful i love this team I love this fan base. Um, I still want that sixth Lombardi. The story has not changed. We preached all year you had to finish the story. 
Um, maybe this was our Cody Rhodes, Roman Reigns, WrestleMania 39, and next year's our WrestleMania 40. We'll see. A long offseason ahead. So many changes to be had. Coaching changes, staff changes, roster changes, and the draft. We're going to be there for it all for one more time of the 2023-2024 season. Thank you for all the listeners, all the commenters, all the viewers on YouTube, all the subscribers on YouTube, followers on social media. Season ended how we didn't want it to, but until next time, until next season, until the draft, until the off-season program, as always, my name is Sterling Bennett, and stay faithful. Thank you.